This is Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast with Roscoe, the fanalist, and Southey. Oh, gotta love that new intro. Welcome back to Leafs Late Night. Like you heard, I'm Roscoe, joined again by the whole gang. We got Steph and we got Southey here. How's it going, guys? Uh, could be better, Roscoe, as you saw on that game. Oh my god, I don't know. It, I thought the Leafs had it going into this game, but what happened? Yeah, it just seemed like one of those games where nothing was really going right, and uh, that was a hard one to watch, I found. Yeah, tough one, as uh, the Leafs lose 5-1 to one to, the, uh, to the refs, uh, sorry, the, uh, to the LA Kings. Uh, they were both wearing black and white, it was hard to keep track of who they were actually playing against. Uh, like you guys said, pretty rough game. Do you, Steph, you want to start with the uh, first period there? Yeah, uh, the Leafs came into this game, you know, we were hoping for the six-game winning streak. Uh, Kings also on a big winning streak, and the Leafs for once held the NHL um, in the top for winning streaks. We were five in a row. Edmonton, Anaheim, LA had four in a row, so... It was a pretty big game for the Leafs, especially with Campbell coming in, facing his old team for the first time. But I found that the first period, slow start. Possession, not too good. Shots on net. Embarrassing again. Right off the first faceoff, more straight to the net with a shot on goal. So we knew it was going to be a very high, highly paced game. Yeah, it seemed like uh, the long stretch at home there. Got them a little too comfy. You know, they win a couple games. They get to stay in Toronto. And the end of that, they looked a little too comfortable. All I'm going to say. What do you think, Sadie? Yeah, that's exactly right. It seemed like uh, the past few games, they've been coming out with some real urgency. It looked like they've had great energy. But today, they had absolutely none whatsoever. Um, they had a real hard time sustaining any pressure. Their neutral zone play, especially in the first period, was so sloppy. Like, they just got nothing going on whatsoever. I think the really only great part about the first period was their PKs. Yeah, penalty kill was decent, but uh, it seemed that L.A. was fast, man. It, I don't know if the Leafs were slow, but L.A. looked quick. So, um, Athanasiu and uh, who was the other one that got the – was it – I can't even remember the first period now. There were so many goals. <laughs> I know, and you, you wish. Oh, what am I talking so about? Sorry, more. Trevor Moore scores oh, the first yeah. goal. Trevor Moore, oh. yeah, yeah. I was I was seriously hoping after that Trevor Moore goal that I can come back and just say, Leaf said no more and came back and scored a big goal. But unfortunately, that joke didn't pan out. So, oh, so two quick man. little uh, breaks. I don't want to call them breakaways, but breaking through the defense both times there and uh, sneaking in past Campbell. Can't really blame him on them, but they were tough. No. Uh, quick on the other end, stood on his head. So just that, that little comparison of... Uh, Master and Padawan was ooh, tough. <laughs> yeah, I got to agree with Sully, though. It kind of seemed like the Leafs gave up tonight. There was no sense of urgency. And since they were on a five-game winning streak, it's like they just took a seat, seat back and relaxed a little, thinking, okay, this is a partially injured LA Kings team. Like, they don't have Drew Doughty on the ice, who usually quarterbacks the power play and you know the guy had seven points in his first four games this season but unfortunately he had that big knee on knee contact I believe it was against the Dallas Stars yeah. there so yeah and then I was very disappointed with the too many men on the ice call again mm. again I mean that one was a little tough but guys you can't be taking sloppy penalties like that uh, they got lucky again with the penalty kill but it's you never know when it's not going to be uh, lucky like that no, especially in a period, too, like where you're not very cohesive and it doesn't seem like they're sticking to the game plan at all. A penalty like that can just set you back so badly. Yeah. So uh, we move into the second period where uh, <clears throat> Leafs go down 3 nothing on the weirdest goal ever. Um, I don't know what's a kicking motion or not because we got a definition of it earlier because so many people were deflecting the puck into the net. Uh, whether they were dragging their foot to deflect it or not. And we said, okay, isn't that a kicking motion? So we were all told that the definition is it's to protect the goalies so you can't lift your skate off the ice and kick it. I'm sorry, Deneau did that not once but twice to put this one in. His blade is up. Like, I don't know yeah. when this is going to get called a penalty and when it's not. Like, there's zero consistency for it. 
That's a really tough one, because at first yeah. it looked like he kind of just angled his skate to deflect it, but when he was coming down, he dragged his foot along, and that's where the kicking motion kind of came in, and that's where the momentum of the puck also went in. Yeah, and there's something to be said about him being in the crease when that second kick went through. I don't know. It was just a really ugly goal on all fronts, but uh, nonetheless, the Leafs go down 3 nothing. But uh, the power play, it, it's weird. Nothing can all work at the same time, it seems. Everything sucks, but the power play scores. <laughs> Can somebody explain that to me? <laughs> yeah, I was so glad that power play came through, especially John Tavares with a goal. Quick wrist shot off the stick. It wasn't one of those jammers in front of the net. And you know, he's constantly getting pushed over and uh, he's always in those tough situations. So it was so nice to see that quick wrist shot, especially so many episodes we've been talking about Leafs playing too much with the puck and getting too fancy. But one and done in the net that was beautiful yeah that really was beautiful it was a nice setup they had too because they had one defenseman three forwards and then mitch Marner behind the net which is a little rare for what they usually do and before the goal you can see Tavares was in the middle of the net and then he kind of shifted himself to the face-off dot on the left opened himself up and just ripped one by him Absolutely beautiful. It's nice to see the uh, one-timers coming out because that was something we've been complaining about is everybody's holding on to it, looking, and then passing. So these quick releases, it shows some confidence coming back from uh, the top guys. But the depth did not look great. I mean, it seems like after, was it, 32 points and however many goals in the last couple games from the top guys, they just went, well, we can just sit back and chill. Uh, 32 points in their last five. This is Yeah, this is what happens when... Uh, Everybody gets a little too comfortable all the way down the line. The top guys expect goals, and uh, the bottom guys expect goals from the top guys. Yeah, and the, the narrative is completely reversed now because our first couple weeks into the season, we were talking so highly of Spezza and bottom crew company coming through and how we should pretty much give Spezza the C because he's doing everything for this team. And the last 14 goals were from the big four, so... It's like, what is going on? But I got to say that fourth line tonight, they had a really good couple of shifts. I really liked that uh, Simmons had a few couple of chances. And in the third, I know I'm jumping a little ahead right now. I saw Richie out there a bit, but he's still looking clueless to me. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to gather good points about the guy for me anyways. But if we're still on the second period... Uh, and if the CU uh, crashed into Campbell at the end of the second, that, like, uh, again, again, Campbell keeps getting the blunt of the injury, like, without getting injured, thank God. No, yeah, you expect a scare going on there. But you're right about what Spets and Simmons are doing, especially in the first. I thought they had back-to-back -back shifts that were really, really good. Um, Simmer got absolutely robbed on that front one, where Quick just got the glove on it. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, other than that line, like, Third line really didn't do much at all tonight. Yeah, and Spets is now without a point in seven straight games. So that, I mean, sure, he's the old vintage. You're not expecting points from him every game, but versus the beginning of the year when he was hot, and it's kind of reflective of the whole bottom two lines. Like, that that bottom six has just not been producing, uh, unfortunately. So let's move on I to the like third. He, he probably could have had a few points tonight, though, if it wasn't for Quick and some really good goaltending, though. No, you're right. He had some good looks. It's just, I, I think that as a whole, the um, they're not getting the chances. They're, I mean, they're holding the offensive zone well, but it just seems they're having the trouble that the first lines had at the beginning of the year where it's not good chances, per se. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. Anyway, uh, third period. Steph, you want to start off? Yeah, right off the bat, penalty drawn from NFCU, from bunting, from a hooking call. This was the third call tonight where I just thought to myself, wow, what's going on with the refs? Because first we had the too many skaters on the ice with one leg in the box, one leg off. And then we had the kicking call. And then literally Bunting just touched the back of his shin with the stick. And that's considered a hooking call now. So confusion all around. You can hear the crowd just booing the refs like crazy tonight. But the good thing from that was there was no shots on the power play for the Kings. So at least the Leafs pulled through on that note. Yeah, the refs you suck was getting louder than go Leafs go by the third period there. <sighs> yeah, it seems Sorry, pretty what do you think? Like, 
for Leafs fans to rip on the refs, but tonight it actually kind of was warranted. Like, that penalty was so ridiculous. He just tapped the back of his shin. He went down, caught his skate. That was a brutal call. Um, Edler rammed Akasha's head on the ground. Marner got ripped from behind in the corner. There's no call there. Um, Marner yeah. was clearly going to beat out a nice scene as well, too. It just seemed like it was consistently some pretty bad or suspect calls. Yeah, it seemed that uh, somebody made the refs angry <laughs> early in the game or some comments were made because they were really uh, giving LA all the advantages they could. I mean, we've talked about game management since the huge outing last year of, uh, I, the name is escaping me, I think it was Tim Peel. Uh, ref was caught on a hot mic at a Nashville game and, you know, they yeah. addressed it saying, oh, game management, we're not going to do this anymore and they get outed, but eh, what's going on here? This is exactly well, the thing that they said they weren't going to do. There's always going to be like a human element to refing like that. There's ebbs and flows to the game. That's natural. But today was a little bit overboard. Agreed. Yeah, uh, and I got to say, uh, Athanasiu, I heard his name all over the announcers' uh, voices tonight. And all I hear out of the back of my side view is Anathasiu loose again. And I'm like, oh my God, again? Like another dash for the net? Like these guys. What is with the uh, players having career nights facing the Leafs, even with Deneau? He had three points tonight, seven shots on net, best of the season so far. He got all his goals he's going to get all year tonight with two. Yeah, it's like when he was in Montreal last yeah. year. The guy just really steps up when he plays the Leafs. It's insane. So, uh, yeah. like you said, Deneau gets another one uh, after his kick from the, uh, from the goal line there. And then... Uh, what do we think about Keith pulling the goalie when they're down four to one with like three and a half minutes left? I don't understand. It was over four minutes left, actually. And uh, yeah, like statistically, you're not going to win that game. I'm not sure if it was a message to the guys. And even if it was, I don't think that's warranted at all. They've been playing really good lately. Um, yeah, it's a head scratcher. Yeah, Kempe with the empty netter, you knew right away that things weren't going to change and you might as well not try again. You're digging yourself mm -hmm. way in too deep of a hole. And I give them credit for trying, especially coming off this hot streak five games in a row. Like you thought maybe the top four had a hot hand and, you know, they just needed to be set up in that situation, but unfortunately not good enough tonight. And, other people had career games, but not for the Leafs tonight. But the first 55 minutes really didn't dictate that that was the case. I feel that's the type of play that's going to piss the players off a little bit. Meaning? Do you want to expand huh. on that? Well, I mean, you just, you know, it's not your game. So why are you pulling the goalie with four minutes left? You're down three goals. You're not going to pop in three and four minutes against the LA team who was playing the way they were tonight. I don't know. I think it looks bad on the players when you do that. No, you're right. And I've always kind of been of the mind that the players need to earn getting the goalie pulled. It's like, if mm -hmm. you guys are playing well and an extra skater is going to help you, then sure, I as the coach will make the decision to kind of handicap us defensively to give you guys an extra forward. I don't think anything in that situation showed that they warranted getting an extra skater there. I don't know why Keith gave it to them, and especially with so much time left. I just... <sighs> Yeah, and the third, like, they didn't have any real sustained pressure. They weren't having great, great chances. It just no, didn't make too much no. sense to me. The, besides the one power play goal they got, their man advantages didn't look great. So, nope. I don't know. So, that ends the game. Uh, just some kind of overall performance uh, notes. Well, happy birthday to Andre Kasha. Turned 26 today. Uh, I had a note from last game. The power play obviously has been heating up. They they looked okay tonight. Um, they moved the puck around well. The one with Marner behind the net worked well, but they slowed down again by the end of the game. And I don't know if that's going to be a, a habit or if it was just the fact that everybody was hot that the power play looked good, which was the case last year. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, hockey is weird, right? Because we went from this big streak of not being able to score on the power play, and now we're coming off a six-game consecutive scoring streak on the power play and then you look at other teams kind of like the Vancouver Canucks where they just ended an 0 for 17 drought on the power play and then they scored three last night so anything could happen I don't know what clicks on these players brains but 
I'm happy, of course, that JT got the big one tonight. I was really hoping for more. We really needed it in the third period. And just a note on Kasha there. I was hoping he would get something on his <laughs> oh, birthday. Come on. Me too. But um, the oh first well. period power play looked really, really great. They were moving the puck around. They were winning all the battles. Like you said, their transition was great. Marner was behind the net. But I think the third period power play, they kind of started off on the bad foot. The line who was like the first power play unit, they've already been on the ice for about 30, 40 seconds. And you can tell halfway through the first minute of the power play, they were gassed. And Matthews even stayed on the whole two minutes, I think. Yeah, I yeah. think he did. He, uh, they, everybody was changing off, and I noticed that Matthews didn't, and they were calling out, like, oh, even though they were on before the power play, Matthews is still out there. Like, in that situation, why not start the second power play unit, see how the faceoff goes, and if it doesn't go well, just change them up right away? That's what you have a second power play unit for, isn't it? I was thinking the same thing. Matthews looked hungry, though, tonight, I have to say. Like, he tried the backhand, he tried the wraparound, he tried the wrist yeah. shot, he tried everything. So. Yeah, quick part of his watch game. Played. Yeah, she said, like, he's single-handedly trying to win this game for them. Uh, so with that, let's go to some questions from Twitter. We're going to move this up because they all have to do with the game. So first off, we have one from at maple underscore leaf underscore fan. Uh, at this point, I would trade Richie for a 7th round draft pick just so I could fill his spot with someone else. Still not an Engvall fan, and Simmons, for the love of God, score. Sorry, not questions, just ranting. Fair. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Um, you know... Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, uh, Engvall's kind of on the ropes. Richie's... Uh, I keep thinking he's almost going to be useful and then the next game is just right back to completely irrelevant again so i gotta agree it's like richie really hasn't yeah. found his role so far on this team he's a big body he's pretty quick but he's just not playing like that at all he plays really soft um he loses the puck a lot you never really notice him too much in the offensive end and ingval my good that guy he gets so many mm. pucks but god he's got hands of stone that guy cannot finish for the life of him and he gets a puck and he's on a great break he just shoots it right right into the crest of the goalie and it's always oh, but like don't that. but don't worry we get to replace him with Ilya Mikheyev soon who's so good at finishing <laughs> he does the same thing the best that's what i mean <laughs> uh, so his actual question yeah. at the end here is uh, rest campbell wednesday and start wool uh, I wouldn't do it because we play Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So if you're starting Wool on Wednesday, then you're looking to do back-to-back -back with Campbell. I would start Campbell Wednesday and then have them split up the weekend. Do we trust Joseph Wall to start over Michael Hutchinson? You can't be worse. Yes. I guess, but yeah. oh my god. I feel like the team will rally around him a lot better. I totally agree. Uh, why not take the chance on Joseph Wall? He's been doing great in the AHL, and he's on the bench backing up Campbell for a reason over Michael Hutchison, so give the guy a chance. Who cares? This We have elite players on the team, and anything is better at, than Michael Hutchison at this point. But uh, to the other points, I totally agree. I've been a Richie hater all season long, and I don't mean to be. I just want to see the results on ice and Ingval, he's had some good games when he uses his body and when he actually uses his long ass reach but i don't know some days he just looks clueless just like richie just looking all over the ice like, like where am i like he'd look a little better if kasha and Kampf could score christ's sake uh, yes so another question here from uh do, 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 at Joe Shelder, the uh, Toronto Leafhead. Why does the NHL hate us so much? We bring in a lot of money for them. Just kidding, but seriously. <laughs> Honestly, this is, this is just part of my core opinion about Batman that he is kind of just writing off that hockey is going to be popular in Canada regardless of what he does, so he can use those games to try to tip the scales to American teams because they need those little wins, but mm -hmm, conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like there's always a hate against the Leafs, no matter what, if it's coming from the commissioner, from the refs, from 
other fans like we constantly deal with the hate so when we're on a high we ride it really high because what are we supposed to do otherwise for example my girlfriend's neighbor is a huge boston fan and one year he went through the effort to getting her a leafs jersey with the number 67 on it and the (laughs) print said still waiting so we deal with this stuff all of the time and it's unfortunate because you know this is the longest franchise in history we have the most money etc 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 but i don't know what what happened tonight like i it wasn't even game management to me i don't know what that was there's just bad calls all around just not being consistent with what standard they've set to this point in this season or you know the last couple it's just calls that didn't make sense yeah you're exactly <sighs> right like they didn't make any sense at all tonight uh so at 194 luke man kings and burns goals came from individuals capitalizing on rebound scenarios or odd man rush are we trying so desperately to score that we're leaving insufficient support at home what do you guys think Tonight, it kind of looked like that a little bit. I found in the past few games, they've structurally been really, really sound. Their neutral play especially has been great. Um, It looks like they've had a smart game plan. They've been breaking out and supporting each other. But uh, tonight, it wasn't at all. Their neutral zone play was absolutely atrocious. And that's where they gave up quite a few goals and on-man rushes. So to answer your question, yeah, tonight was not great at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I didn't I got... have you guys last episode. Um, there was the one goal that I talked about where Sandine joined in on that rush with the first line, and it caused the puck to go the other way, and uh, Pasternak scored. So there is something to be said there, I think, about um, last game. But yeah, I got to agree. This game, it's uh, it's not the odd man rushes. It was just really sloppy play all over the ice. What do you think, Steph? Mm-hmm. Very sloppy play, and we knew that there were a couple people really excited to return to Toronto, right? So we have the return of Trevor Moore. We have Gunstrom, who was a Marley and never got a chance to play as a Leaf. And even Muzzin in the interviews, he was so happy to see the Kings media and just saying, hey, guys, it's like a family reunion. So you know that they were kind of come out hot and I think the Leafs did not expect that whatsoever. They just kind of sat back thinking, okay, this is going to be like another game, whatever. But no, they came out on fire and it showed, it absolutely showed. And I don't know, it hurt me at the same time because I really wanted to win for Campbell facing his old team for the first time. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the list of uh, XLA people was long tonight. Kerfoot, Muzzin, Campbell. um, Also, oh, there was one more. Somebody that was drafted. Oh, Wayne Simmons was originally drafted by LA. Crazy. But that's something that the Leafs are going to have to experience again this year as they did not last year. Because every time people from Toronto come to Toronto to play, it's a huge deal for them. The media is a lot bigger, the coverage is a lot bigger, so people really get up to play in Toronto. And just playing in Canada last year, that's not something that they really, really had to go through. Yeah, a bigger stage yeah. this year for sure, you know? You're going to go to full stadiums in Vegas and full stadiums in, uh, in Tampa and everywhere. It's going to be crazy different than last year. Yeah. And Trevor Moore straight up admitted to everyone that they had a bet tonight. So I'm sure he won his bet because he scored and his team won. And he also said that their group chat from the 2018 winning team from the Marlies is still active. So he has so much connection. Like, it's just home base for him. So, of course, these kids are going to come back and play the absolute best that they can and even with Philip Deneau you know like this guy is so used to facing Toronto while wearing the Habs jersey but look again career night (laughs) yep yeah to Steph's point uh Moore is definitely getting that bulletin board money tonight 100% so um with that unfortunately uh that closes off our recap of the game um in Leafs news Apparently on Friday, we were minutes away from seeing a trade happen and it fell through. 
the rumor is that this was one of either Hole or Dermot, because uh, a defenseman has got to go. Uh, we have one who is scratched at this point, so just sitting money. We also have Ilya Mikheyev coming back, and that would put the Leafs over the salary cap. So, what do we think? So they start us off. Oh, there definitely has to be a move going on. You can't just rest Hall like you have been before in the past. Um, between him and Dermot, I would probably lean towards Hall leaving. It seems like he's having the rougher season, even last year. Maybe not quite as good as Dermot. And like you said, Mikheyev coming back, so they're really, really going to need that money as strapped as they are right now against the cap. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who they really move here. Uh, yeah, I thought yeah. it was interesting that they're still scratching Hall, and at first I thought, you know, one or two games is like, okay, he's definitely getting traded, but now we're at six games he's been scratched, and that, to me, is devaluing him, if anything. So I just saw some people saying that it might be putting Dermot on for kind of an audition for other teams, putting him up with Riley, which I also believe uh, maybe a little more now that it's been so many games. What about you, Steph? It's tough to say, right, because Elliot Friedman reported that a right-handed defender was made available for a trade. No other details. So when you look down the list, who do we have? We have Morgan Riley, who just signed a huge contract. No. Jake Muzzin, who has a no-trade clause. Same with TJ Brody. So we just have to remember at the same time, though. Like, the thing that's not clicking for Hall with me is that Hall also has a 10-team no-trade list, but at the same time, he is sitting again and again and again. Every time he sits, that's $24,400 sitting in the press box per game. So it just blows my mind that it's happening because another thing we have to remember is that he was protected in the expansion draft for Seattle. No, it's so it's on one yeah, and we gave up Jarrett McCann to keep Hall. So it seems like things are just backfiring right now for Dubis, and I'm excited to see who it is. I do think it's Dermot, though, but at the same time, I don't know why Hall is sitting for so long. But if Hall does get moved, it does relieve $1.25 million of cap space. So... It's about it one and a half, him. actually. But uh, Jared McCann currently has seven points in eight games. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad, considering, uh, like you said, we protected Hall, who's now sat for the last six. <sighs> mm-hmm. I love yeah, this team. And, uh, Jared McCann, like, he carried my fantasy team at the second half of last year playing with the Pittsburgh Pens, like, just filling those gaps when... Uh, uh, Malkin was out and Sid, Sid for a little while, but yeah, that was a very exciting day for me when I saw Jared McCann was going to Toronto, and then that quickly changed. Oh my god! Yeah, that was but, sad. Yeah, Such but I did hear a rumor. I don't know if you guys heard this rumor, rumor alert. but the tr- yes for the trade. Apparently, Calgary is interested in one of our defenders in exchange for Michael Stone, which is a league minimum and a 2022 third round pick and they're specifically looking at justin hall so i'm sure in the next couple days we'll hear more about that but that's just a rumor i don't know i mean if that's the return then trade him right now yeah and that's where the 1.25 million in cap relief will hit there because especially uh, yeah yeah, Michael Stone's only a league minimum he's easily on the third line for defenders so yeah, it does leave you with big a pretty big logjam of forwards with McKayev coming back, though. Mm-hmm. And do do we want yeah. a thirty-one-year-old defenseman? I mean, it doesn't hurt <laughs> with Sandine and Lilligren being so young and Dermot. Maybe I don't know. Mm, I don't mind. I don't Not hate bad it. Depth. For seven hundred and fifty k, I'd take it at yeah. this point. Half the price yeah. of uh, of Dermot and more than half of all. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. So speaking of uh, <clears throat> a Kachuk on the Flames, but uh, but not not the Kachuk on the Flames. Brady gets the C over on uh, the Ottawa Senators. What do you guys think? Um, my personal take, just before I hand it over, um, I think it's hilarious that he held out for money and uh, then gets the captaincy because here in Leafs world, we absolutely torched Marner and Nylander for doing that. 
So, uh, kind of funny, but nonetheless, he deserves it. True. It's just from, from the leaf perspective, it's really funny that he holds out for money and still gets it. Anyway, what do you guys think? <laughs> I mean, I think it's a no brainer for them. As for him holding out, that's just like a Chuck thing to do. It runs in the family. I'm sure on the Why next contract. Why do they get contract, this pass? <laughs> the, so if Michael Nylander had held out for more money than William would have just gotten the pass for this? Like, is, I don't get this. No. I keep hearing that excuse for the contracts, like, well, it's, the, it's what the family does. So fucking what? I mean, they, they set a precedence. You gotta guess. respect it, right? Um, but no, he's the face of the franchise. He's the leader. He's the personality. There's You're not going to give it to Stusla. He is the right guy for the job. And yeah, I think he's going to be great as their captain. Yeah, I agree with you. And we covered this a bit on episode two, right before he got his contract. And we actually predicted that he would wear the C. So another one for us. But uh, <laughs> I feel like a psychic. Like, I swear, after every episode, I'm just calling things and they happen the next day. So it feels great. But 10th uh, captain in Ottawa history, youngest in Ottawa yeah history so there that there's that but there was a lot of talk about the contract too so is it too much and especially with he's only topped 45 points in a season but with all that pushed aside i think brady is a good fit but i do question though why didn't shabbat get it you know like shabbat's paid his dues he's been there uh, i and think melnick's looking at least pushing on everybody that it's about moving forward and not looking backwards and as much as shabbat has given to this team i think he's going to be looked at as kind of like a through the dark years kind of player and uh you know he'll he'll stick oh, around good. it's you know no it's gonna happen point. and shabbat's like, a little quiet these... too i think they wanted like an, not an abrasive but a louder face of the franchise as well exactly I think it's more about him being a leader and that's what they're paying him for. His contract more reflects what he brings all around, kind of like a yeah. Philip Deneau, where it's Not it's to more, mention they have a real hard time points. keeping people there, so. Yeah, and I, it it shows that they're willing to build around somebody that means something to the organization and they'll probably end up keeping him for as long as they can, kind of like, a you know, with the Flames with Giordano. Yeah, exactly. Well, he has another seven years guaranteed, <laughs> so. Yeah, and he'll probably <laughs> resign after that. So with yeah. that, we should take a break. And when we get back, we're going to be playing a new game I came up with today called Higher or Lower. You're listening to Leaf Late Night. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to Leaf Late Night, and we are going to play a new game called Higher or Lower, because I was watching Prices Right today. <laughs> yes. Love so, that show. <laughs> hey, it's a Monday and I'm not working. 11 a.m. That's what you gotta do. <laughs> so the way this game's gonna work is I'm gonna give you guys a number-based uh, prediction or stat. So whether it's teams' wins or losses or a player's stats for the season or the month, whatever it may be, and you're gonna tell me if you think that is going to be higher or lower and why. So the first one up, uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid will combine for 250 points. By the end of the season. Fanalus, start us off. Considering that Connor McDavid had 105 points in 50 ga 56 games last year and Dreisaitl 84 and 56, and this year they already combined for 45 points, I'm going to say this is a very close higher yes moment because... They have a stacked team. They have the best power play in the league. They now have Hyman, who became a point-per-game player out of nowhere. So I'm going to say higher. Okay, okay. I had this at 300, and I changed it just to make it a little more interesting. What do you think, Sally? Well, 250 is such a big number. Right. What you're asking yourself, is Conor McDavid going to get about 150 points this season? Because you know Dreisaitl can probably hit the 100-point mark. And like you guys were saying, their power play is off the charts so far. Their team is looking really, really good. Um, yeah, so depending on health, I think they can hit it. As crazy as it sounds. Okay, okay. So that's uh, yeah. that's two hires or like, it, you know, hit it. 
Uh, second one up. To be fair. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. To be fair, they have 72 games to go. They've only played 10 games this year, and they're already at 45 points combined. That's insane. So, at first, when I heard the take, I was like, mm, but... Once I saw those stats, I was like, okay, definitely higher. <laughs> if you extrap, I know it's crazy off of 10 games. If you extrapolate off these 10 games, it's like insanely higher. <laughs> yeah. So uh, second one up, the Panthers win 60 games this season. Mm, I'm going to go ahead and say no. I can put them at high 50s, but 60 is just crazy. Um, Bobrovsky is off to a great start, and now he's injured, so... Injury worries are a little bit concerning for them. You got Spencer Knight as their backup, who's also unproven, although highly touted. Yeah, I'm just below 60 for me. Okay. Steph, what do you think? I will go with the opposite on this one, just because they're 10-0-2 on the season, including tonight, where they came out of a 4 nothing hole. They still lost 4-3 to the Rangers, but... That is a big statement, and they've won all of their prior games with, with well, some without Sam Bennett for a majority, mm -hmm. and Barkov, who they faced the Carolina Hurricanes and won that game. Insane. So I'm definitely saying higher. I'm going to guess around 63 to 65-ish, and this is just from my previous take of hitting the inner bull on Florida Panthers winning the President's Trophy. The, the stats are there. Things are aligning. Bob is doing great. So they're they're on the pathway to success. It's a good thing it's such a big hockey market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, actually, I've been to a game there before. So a couple of years ago, I was down in Florida with my dad. We had tickets for a Tampa Bay Lightning game. And uh, when we got back from the game, we were like, Hey, they're playing. I mean, they're still in Florida. They're, they're playing uh, the Panthers on Friday. Do you want to get the tickets for that too? And he goes, "How much are they?" I'm like, "Take a guess." He goes, "Just tell me." I'm like, twenty three ninety nine. Wow. Just, just buy them. Let's go. So we drove about three and a half hours across the state of Florida to go to the game. This is in. Nice. It was around Christmas time, in December. There was not more than twenty five Panthers jerseys. Like, this is. <laughs> Snowbird. Yeah, this was like 2019. This wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it, wow. it was awesome. It was like going to a, a Sens game against Toronto. It was just a sea of blue and white. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Like, especially when you're watching in a way feed and, uh, oh, sh <gasps> ding dong. We lost Steph. That's okay. Classic. Uh, you know, it was funny because we were at the, the Tampa game and it probably would have been a little more. Uh, evident had their colors not also been blue and white, but uh, <laughs> the guy on the jumbotron um, at the Panthers game was trying to find fans in the crowd. Hey, welcome back. Couldn't Seth. find it, right? So he couldn't find them, and he would find somebody with a Panthers jersey on and kind of zoom in on them, so they could only see the one person. And then the person behind them with the Leafs jersey would like duck down to the next <laughs> row. <laughs> it was fantastic. Uh, sorry, well. guys. No, no worries. Just to finish so, off my point there, I just yeah, want to say this really quickly. Um, I love watching an away feed and you see those family packages show up and it's like, bring your four kids and yourselves and get full meals for a grand total of $60, including <laughs> tickets, including popcorn and literally like a steak feast. So come on down and come to the games. <laughs> just it's love like you it. you can't afford not to. I know. <laughs> yeah, here, here in Ottawa, I don't know if they still have it, but there was a um, McDonald's fan zone section at the arena. So if you bought the tickets, it came with like a free Big Mac meal for the next day. And they were like $25 yes. tickets or something. It was crazy. Nice. Uh, so next take, uh, the Leafs power play will be top 10 by the end of the regular season. Higher or lower? It's tough. I want to say higher. I think they're sitting at 12th overall right now. They did put another one in tonight. Uh, I'm going to go higher, actually. I think the top line is really, really clicking. As long as the second power play unit really starts producing on, like, an okay clip, then they should be in you know, the top. Yeah, top 10, I think so. Fair. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. When 
all of these parts click, this team has a chance to go all the way. I mean, if it's the defense core and the bottom two lines, top two lines, power play, this team is so dangerous. And of course, we have the most expensive power play unit in the, in the league. So yes. that has to account for something. But being a Leafs fan, I have to be positive, And I think we will definitely finish top 10 at the end of the season. Yeah, especially if they keep it creative. Like last year, they were just going against the half wall and looking for Matthews all the time. And it seems like they're kind of getting away from that and trying different things and different people in different spots. So that leads me to believe that it'll be more creative and ultimately more fruitful. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. So last take here. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes get five wins by Christmas. <laughs> what do we think? Just, I'm going to oh. check how many games they have left. So I can tell you that they have oh, 20 games left from now until Christmas. So there's a, I'm definitely going, you know, higher than five wins to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like in the beginning of the season, we, okay, get your shit together, like figure out what you have to do in order to just get the game going. But similar to Florida, they're on the opposite end of the spectrum. They're one ten and one to start the season and it gives you that thought like is this ever going to turn around but i feel like if they don't get five wins by christmas everyone's going to get fired from the organization <laughs> like period i mean that, if they don't have five wins by christmas just kick them out of the league that's what a uh, gong show of a franchise i mean we say that but um uh, this might be their plan have you seen their draft picks for no. the next three years, for the no, first three, so the first three rounds for the next three years, so that should be nine picks. They have one, two, three first round picks next year, okay, and the the following two first round picks. They uh, have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine second round picks over the next three years, and one, two, three, four, five third round picks. Wow. Yeah, that is ridiculous. But like, so what are, what are is this a tank? There? Like, they're tanking, man. Because so, they've been tanking for twenty years. <laughs> take a just. I okay. Sorry to just dive in on the Coyotes here for a sec, but take a guess at how many players are signed after next season. I have no idea. I literally three. I was going to say 10. Wow. Three. Three, Three. players. So uh, Clayton Keller is signed after 22-23. Um, Jacob Chichern is signed after 22-23. And uh, Nick Schmaltz, who's on injured reserve, is signed. And that is it. They're paying Oliver Ekman Larson longer than they're paying the majority of this team that they currently have. Wow. They, after this are... year, they have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 free agents after this season. Who the hell is going to play for this team? Are the they just going to draft the whole team? What the hell? Do they even what have the a barn to play in next year? Sorry? I said, do they even have a barn to play in next year? Like, um, I think they might. But that's still up in the air. Is up this year. They, on top of all these players that they have, they still have $8 million in cap space. Oh, my God. So what you're <laughs> what telling me is that Arizona and Buffalo are going to top the standings with <laughs> all of their new players and draft picks eventually because they will literally have two different teams. Wow. It's just my Arizona is just looking to... Wipe the slate clean and have their own expansion draft, I think. Yeah, it's hard when you're paying a million dollars to Oliver Ekman Larson until 2027. 20, wow. It's hard when you have Phil Kessel leading the way on your team, and that's about it. Like, even J Jacob Chickrun, like, he was a fantasy valuable defender last season, and this, this year, I think he has one assist. Like, they're just doing absolutely terrible and fantasy owners are kicking themselves in the butt over drafting him and i don't blame them oh my god like what a waste of a pick 
Oh, just stay as far away as you can from them. Oh, but uh, guys, we're going to lose Austin to uh, Arizona at the end of his contract, remember? Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, uh, what the hell do we think Kessel's going to do after this year? One-year contracts? Do you think he'll stick around? around? Like, it's pretty comfy for him. One or two more years in him? He's Try got and... a pretty comfy gig there. He doesn't have to do much in Arizona. Yeah, just, if you put you him know, on a contender, just where he's got no responsibilities other than sniping a few goals on the second line or third line wing, sure. Keep getting them checks. I don't know if he wants to be on a contender. I think he likes hanging at the top of the <laughs> bottom tier team. I think no it's going to be like a James Neal situation or Brian Boyle where they just jump around different teams every year and like yeah. no one wants to keep them. It's like pass the hot potato around, except it's not so hot. So Marion Hosa. Yeah. He can go to the Panthers and play in front of nobody. <laughs> <laughs> they will after uh, they win the Stanley Cup this year. <laughs> yeah, all all four hundred fans will show up for the parade. Man, I saw a picture of the Leafs last parade today, and it made me so sad. Oh, Is it black It's of course, like, dude. It, <laughs> It's black and white cars from the 60s. It's like a photo of downtown Toronto that you'd see in a museum. Like, I've never seen the picture of the parade before, but it's, it's just like more salt in the wound that I didn't need. Horse-drawn like, I've carriage. never thought about that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really sad. It's yeah. really sad, man. Literally, uh, so no helmets. I want to move on to one quick thing. We don't have time for all of them, but uh, we have a list of um, topics that we've been discussing outside of the show with Luke Mann, our, our friend on Twitter. And uh, I just want to touch on one. We've kind of been... Uh, we, we talked about the defenseman point on another episode, and uh, we've kind of been working this in, but the too many men slash too many skaters is a thing that we've kind of been subtly working into our show. But... Um, that's something I want to talk about. It's uh, as women get drafted into the OHL and beyond, uh, I think it's important that we adjust. And I mean, just being in a, a time when uh, gender identity is very fluid, I think it's time to change the um, wording of a penalty that's very easy to, like too many men on the ice. Mm -hmm. Easy to yeah. too many skaters on the ice. Yeah, easy, right? Defender. Yeah, so many skaters on the ice. Like, These are very, very easy fixes, and they do go a long way in, you know, making a difference to a lot of people who really, really love the game and feel excluded. Yeah, and it just kind of shows the lack of emotional intelligence of uh, Batman and Daly, who just really don't care about anything like this. Like, it's not something that affects anybody other than empowering the few people that it is going to help. So just, it's an easy thing to do. Just do it. Like... They're just yeah. so out of touch, and this is just another example, right? Yeah, well, when you think of progressive people, you're not thinking of Bet and Taylor, right? God, no. <laughs> but I think it's it's just kind of driving the narrative that these things have to be brought up, and they're not the ones leading, not that they need to lead the charge on it, but, like, you know, they're not even accepting being called out on things like this. They're just sitting back and hoping that uh, the owners don't have them removed. <laughs> Yeah, language is so important and it's the key to inclusion, right? Hockey is for everyone. And I got a shout out to Luke Mann for calling me out tonight on Twitter when I tweeted about the too many men on the ice penalty. Ooh. And I appreciated that. Honestly, I need to be reminded over and over again. It's just like I said on a previous episode, once we hear it, so many times for three hours straight watching a game it just bleh, like right out of your mouth right and it creates that unconscious bias stereotypes etc so thank you for that i am actively trying to correct my language as we all are and yeah i really hope there's a big change in the future in the nhl yeah i think That's a great call out. the note of the unconscious bias it almost goes both ways right like as unconsciously as you could be biased by um, terms like that being so set in what we say, it's just as easy to change them and change that subconscious bias to subconscious, just acceptable language for everybody and, you know, non-hurtful yeah. things. So 100%. easy fix. And I hope that we can see things like that. I mean, it's not at the top of, uh, it's not, 
I don't even think anyone's talking about this. We just kind of got on the defender thing and this uh, grew out of that. But um, I think with the current climate of the NHL and um, the complaints from the top, I think this is something that should be talked about a little more is the, the language of the, all the rules. Uh, well, I also help, agree. Might also help uh, clarifying some of the language on rules for uh, the players on the ice. They know what the hell they're doing. Right and wrong. Yeah. They need to have a meeting where it's like, here's the rule, and here we're going to show a bunch of examples on video of what is this, and here's one that isn't. Mm-hmm. Just so everybody's on the same page, right? Yes. Add me in, because I want to know, too. Yeah, <laughs> we all want to know what, what the rules speed and how they're performed and consistency. So, yeah. <sighs> So just quick before we sign off, uh, we've mentioned it on a couple shows now, but we have been exploring the idea of launching a Patreon to help support the show. Uh, this would be in addition to, or maybe as opposed to having ads, we're still making up our mind, but we currently have a poll up on our Twitter to see what you guys think. We've had uh, a pretty decent um, turnout for the vote so far, and it is very 50-50. It's only one vote leaning towards having ads for the podcast over... Uh, having a Patreon. So let us know what you think. We still have a couple uh, days left on that vote before we uh, make a decision. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Other than that, as we get closer to, um, well, I guess I should say, this month, Andrew and I are working a lot. We might be missing some of the games. So uh, Steph will be taking over, doing some solo ones potentially. If not, we will be doing uh, catch-up games on our days off. So just through the month of November, we might be a little spotty with our episodes, but don't go away. We will always be uploading. Um, and with that, we'll take us to December, where we're going to have some fun stuff planned. So stay tuned for our Christmas announcements over the course of November. Okay. Big stuff in the works. Big, big things. So thanks again for uh, for joining me tonight, guys. I always appreciate it. Anything you want to sign off with? You know, even though uh, you guys won't be around for some episodes, I'll try and hold down the fort and, you know, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, everywhere you get your podcasts. We're still active daily. And thanks again, everyone, for listening. Nailed it there. Just converse with us online any way you can. We appreciate every listen that we get and every comment that you guys give us. So thank you for tuning into LLM. And we love recapping with you guys. Have a good night, everyone, and check back for the next episode. Good night. See you all next time.